Hi, welcome to Jazz World. I'm Jazz, and this is my podcast. Hi, good morning. I was just drinking my morning coffee. It's 10.44 a.m., and I just had some random throat energy come through <laughs> and I said sounds kind of weird out loud but I say it that way because sometimes I feel like my voice just turns off um, and I don't want to speak um, but it turned on today at this time and I don't think there's it's gonna last long so I wanted to record this little introduction to the episode that I recorded with Natasha last week I believe um yeah so and I always like to share like how I met the people that I bring on the pod so that's what this is I hope you're doing well um I'm excited for you to listen to this I I always want to know like what you're doing when you listen but I think in general like uh I imagine you drinking tea and chilling or driving or walking um yeah so I met Natasha because she, I met her on Instagram. She, a few months ago, she DM'd me and asked me to come on her podcast, which is called Getting to Know Wu. And um, we talked about human design. And I just felt so much resonance with her and her perspective and her approach to healing and integration work and so we became friends right away and she has been not to age her <laughs> she has been studying energy healing working in this field I want to say for 15-ish years and I'm just so grateful to be able to connect and talk with someone who has this much knowledge and wisdom. I can see a hummingbird um, chilling on a tree branch outside. And so that's really cool to be able to uh, bring on an expert to share with you. And I think that this episode is for different types of people. If you're new to the inner child, to the concept of um, or the practice of reparenting yourself, of energy, I think this is a great introduction for you. If you know about these topics, because I know they're talked about a lot online, but they maybe didn't connect well or there's like a gap in your understanding and your like real life application I think this episode is great for you Natasha goes over like practical um ways to like very clearly ways to um connect with your inner child to know the signs that they are kind of lashing out and so yeah, I hope, because um, I know like when I first learned about the inner child through my therapist several years ago, like I rolled my eyes and I cringed, especially when 
you know, I was on the couch and there was this teddy bear on the couch and she was like, okay, imagine that as little you, like, what would you say? That was so uncomfortable for me and it wasn't accessible to go from, you know, just talking, strictly talk therapy to now doing this like embodied exercise. And so I appreciate that Natasha talks about the nervous system and the body and um, how we can uh, like increase our capacity to hold the discomfort of the inner child communication that's very present in the beginning especially and just like keep like um, including the body in the conversation and so wherever you're at in your journey with doing this work um, it's always helpful to have a guide in the beginning Um, this is something that I do with clients I recommend working with Natasha or your therapist introducing this to them Um, and just starting small And so we talk about some nervous system regulation stuff that you can do while you talk to your inner child. Um, I know for me, I usually am doing EFT tapping while I talk to my inner child. And that really like helps me to contain the big emotions that I feel. Um, And lately, I've been trying bilateral stimulation, and there's many types to do this, but one that you can look up is called like butterfly tapping or the butterfly hug. Um, So that's something else that I recommend. Okay, very cool. Yay. So I always like, I know I plan to, um, in these introductions, like share about my services and my work, um, and I feel a little... Like that's coming together. I'm kind of changing things up um, in my services, but I do recommend connecting with me on Instagram and signing up for my Substack. Um, to I'm kind of treating that like a newsletter. If you don't want to be checking Instagram, and um, just stay. I'd love to connect with you there and stay updated on what I have coming out. All right. I love you. I hope you like this episode. Let me know um, in the little, there's like a question that you can put what you, what you thought about it or just DM me on Instagram. I'd love to hear. Alrighty. Bye. Hi, Natasha. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to talk with you about inner child healing, reparenting, and kind of like your model for doing this work. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'd love to just start by hearing you speak on who or what is the inner child. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I could talk about, well, so Carl Jung was the one who talked about it and discovered it, I guess. Um, but my, the way that I look at it and the way that it really came to me was because, and I didn't make it up, but, um, as I just said, but, (laughs) but anyway, so I do energy healing, meaning I, and energy reading, intuitive reading. So I look at the 
it's kind of like if someone comes to me with an issue, it's sort of like in th it's therapeutic. So someone will come to me with an issue similar to therapy, um, how people talk, you know, and so and I look at the energy of it. So I'm looking in sort of like uh, like looking at the chakras, looking at the energetic patterns, things like that. And what I was when I started my practice, what I was noticing immediately was that basically every single time the inner child was at the root of whatever problem was coming up. So I was trained in this energy work to look at the chakras, see the pictures that are associated. So let's say you're having an issue um, with a partner, then um, like you're upset that they're not giving you enough time, let's say. Then I could, uh, then I would look and see, oh, okay, these are the pictures underneath that they might be, um, you, well, basically what I would see is that it was related to the inner child. So I would see childhood pictures. I would often not see, I could read the surface and see the actual relationship, but what was coming up was what was underneath it, which was, let's say, childhood feelings of not being seen, of being rejected, of not being heard, or a parent who rejected themselves and then the person had to like fight for being seen in the relationship, that kind of thing. So it just became very clear that, yes, they could talk to me about it. I could tell them what I was seeing, but what would be even better would be if then they could take from this session healing their inner child, like talking to that inner child part, loving that inner child part, feeling those feelings with compassion, all of those kinds of things. Um so that's how the inner child work came to me. I had to blow out a candle um, <laughs> all over the place. Um, but um, I actually had been exposed to it before. Um, in my early 20s, I went to this woman, Margaret Paul, who had written this book called Inner Bonding. And I did some inner child work with her. Um, it did. So that was essentially basically what I was saying is like we would there we did chair work which is like having the feeling whatever the feeling is and then I'd sit in the chair and talk as the child and then I'd come back to the other chair and be the parent which is also they do that in gestalt therapy as well um, but this is a long way of saying that what the inner child really is ultimately is the um the inner child's holding the trauma of the wounded inner child i should say we also have healed inner child which is you know our joy expression and creativity and um nice stuff that enhances our lives positively um but the wounded inner child is essentially the moment that never got repair and so that energy is stuck in the past and it and when you are merged with an inner child part, you're looking at the world without realizing it from these kind of pastime, um, pastime energy. It's like you have pastime energy over your eyes mm -hmm. <laughs> and you feel like this is what's happening now. This is really how I feel now. But really, it's that 
you're in that place of that old trauma that didn't get resolved. And so you're wanting to have that repair from the people around you in the present. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really it's coming from these past time beliefs because you didn't get that feeling of like, oh no, actually you're safe. You're okay. This isn't, this isn't true about you or whatever the situation is. And so those, um, like unattended moments that didn't get resolved will kind of come up in adult experiences and relationships. Yeah, they come up as triggers. So like if you're feeling, um, you it can come up in so many ways. So in relationships, a lot of times when we get close to people, those triggers will come up because you're it's a lot easier to merge with your inner child when you're feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, but it can come up like in, um, in a less, um, vulnerable relationship also, like you can feel like, um, insecure for seemingly no reason. You're like a lot of times when you're like, I don't even know why I feel this way. That's, it doesn't make sense. That's because you're merged with an inner child who's looking at like part of you can see, wait, I'm in the present. I shouldn't be insecure about this thing. That's a lot of shoulds or inner child too. Um, I, you know, I don't, or I don't understand why I feel this way because, you know, I, it doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's coming because you're being triggered because you're merged with the inner child. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a, of a, an example. Um, like, <laughs> I don't know why this is coming up, but I remember when my um, oldest started high school and I went to like the school to do with them. It was like the first day of orientation or whatever. And I just got so triggered by these. It seemed like there was like a lot of clicks happening (laughs) and it just like brought me back to middle school when I would feel that way. And I just could, I, even though I was sort of aware, I was like, oh, it was, I was having such a hard time coming back to like, okay, I'm, I'm not in middle school anymore. And my child like didn't even care about it. So it wasn't even bothering them, Mm -hmm. but it was bothering me. And so that's me kind of knowing, wait, I'm not in middle school, but I feel like I'm in middle school right now. Yeah. So that that like hasn't been resolved stuff. What are some like signs that you've merged with them? You know, anytime where, uh, well, so the easiest ways to know are the when you're feeling really emotional um, and you feel like it's taking over that's a that's a big sign um that you're merged but the lesser the i think the trickier ways are when our protector parts our protector inner child comes in that's trickier to know because sometimes they really act and look like they act like adults so it can be like oh i'm just um uh i'm just very um let's say motivated to finish this or something, but really you're being really hard on yourself and really perfectionistic. That's another way that's you being merged with an inner child part because your true self, I should say this, your true self is compassionate, curious, like, um, has a larger perspective, like, uh, you know, can see the world from, 
a 360 view. When you're in, when you're merged with a part, it's like very myopic. You're really like, yes, yes. And you are really feeling like, like in that example, it's like, well, this is just how I get things done. That I'm not merged with an inner timer. Like, of course, I have to work until I collapse. That's the only way to get this done. That's the only way I'll get it done. But really, if you can come back to your true self, then you can talk to that part and you may see like, oh, they're just really scared that there's no other way to get it done. Um, And then you can, it sounds funny, but like you can have a conversation with yourself, but you're already having a conversation with yourself. It's just not a kind one in that case. Mm -hmm. So then you can say like, okay, I can see you're feeling really scared. We won't get it done. What if I write a list? of, you know, or whatever, you can talk to yourself in a more kind way where you have a bigger perspective. Mm-hmm. How do you begin to um, unblend so that you can tap into that true self who can like get both of you out of that really narrow place? Yeah. So Oh, another way I will just say really quickly is if you're stuck in your head and you're overthinking and you're like, oh, what I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have, you know, or what if I had done this or whatever? That's another way to tell that you're blended. Um, and, and I bring that up because a good way to unblend or to come back to your true self is to get out of your head. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like when you are stuck in your head and that's really the trickiest, I find the trickiest inner child part is the hypervigilant part. Mm -hmm. That's like really looking out for you. Supposedly it's also a protector role, you know, looking out to see, Oh, you know, um, to make sure nothing terrible is going to happen. But of course it just makes you really anxious. Um, so there's so many ways, but the, I would say coming into the bringing awareness to your feelings and to your body. So, um, you know, putting your hand on your heart is my favorite way to come back and taking a breath because that really helps activate. It really does bring compassion online may I be kind, you know, using self-compassion techniques, like may I be kind to myself, um, moving the body, shaking the body, Mm -hmm. dancing. If you're in a, you know, really just like even taking a pause and that's not spiritual bypassing or ignoring it. If you're doing it consciously, like, okay, I am too upset right now. I've been too in this state. So I'm going to just take a pause and watch a funny movie or call a friend and talk it out or, you know, go for a walk, just getting into another headspace. Um, it's like they say about kids that motion moves emotion. So Mm -hmm. like when my kids were little and they would be having a tantrum, my husband would take them in the car and it would work every time. Cause you just have like a new scenery you have, it gets you out of that situation out of in, internally. Um, I do want to say one more thing that's a little tricky is that I do talk a lot about like coming out of your head and feeling the feelings, but sometimes when we're merged with an inner child part, we're in their feelings. <laughs> so 
it's like the difference it's kind of subtle. it doesn't feel subtle actually but talking about it it sounds subtle but the difference is when you feel overwhelmed or like heavy or the heavy is a really good sign that you're merged because mm-hmm. um yeah um because you're usually believing something false when you're in that heavy place um but um the difference between that and putting your hand on your heart and saying like, it makes sense that you would feel this way and just let yourself feel it. That's that difference. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people have first realized they have a really strong inner critic voice and then go on this path of increasing the self-compassion and strengthening the inner parent Mm -hmm. so what are some ways to do that work of like knowing what to say to yourself and like how to comfort yourself you mean when you're in the inner critic or Um, when you want to like be there for the inner child like yeah how do you like I guess learning how to comfort and nurture and yeah Yeah. well so there's two parts to that because I think most people don't realize that the inner critic is also an inner child part Mm. that's trying to protect you just doing it in a way that isn't helpful so that's one thing um but as far as my favorite way to come into compassion is to validate and simply by repeating back. I actually learned this from a a child care book um, a long time ago called um, How to Talk to Kids So They'll Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. And it works so well with my daughter. And it's really just talking. Tell, say, reiterating back, saying back what they're feeling. So it's like, um, you know, just to use actually my daughter as an example, let's say she was, um, like hurt about how people were treating her. I would just say, you're really hurt right now. You're really sad. And just that it sounds like, you know, that might, well, why would I just tell myself I'm sad when I'm sad, that would just make me more sad or it would sound condescending, but it's, it feels really validating actually. Like just to be seen like, oh, this is happening. Like you're sad because a lot of times when we're angry or we're sad or any of that, we are, we call them negative feelings. Even we call them, those are the bad feelings. And There are no bad feelings. And so when we just say it back, it's like it allows us to feel them so that they can move. And it allows us internally to feel like, okay, yeah, it's safe to feel this. Like this is what's happening. And we move out of resistance from feeling it into allowing ourselves to just feel it. Because a lot of times the worst part of when we have these big feelings is that we're actually resisting them. Mm-hmm. And when we resist them, we're actually amplifying them. Mm-hmm. So just cause it just like, you know, when you clutch onto something, like I always think of like at on a roller coaster or something, <laughs> if you like you resist it the whole time you're closing your eyes, it's actually scarier than if you look around and you open your eyes, it's, you can enjoy it. And it's actually fun with the scary. It's like that. Um, yeah, 
So that's my favorite way is just to repeat it back and then just be in a space of can I even, can I have compassion for the fact that this is happening? Can I have compact? Can I just validate that this experience is happening? If you're having a really hard time being kind to yourself, it can be hard to make that big leap to just like, okay, I love myself. I love myself. Like it will feel false. Mm-hmm. So just even asking yourself, like, imagine picturing a little kid who's having that experience. Can you have compassion that they're having it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best way in. And then if there's a critic, um, really starting to realize, like, having compassion for that critic, because they're doing that, you know, they wouldn't be so riled up and angry if there wasn't something going on. So even mm-hmm. asking that part of you, okay, I, you're really criticizing right now. You're really feeling critical. What, what's going on? What do you want me to know? Or what do you need? Mm-hmm. So the more you're having this internal, just acceptance, like, okay, all of this is happening and what can I learn from it? Or being curious what's going on. And the less you're I the less you're identifying as these parts, Mm -hmm. the easier it is to be kind to yourself. Yeah. I find that even by just beginning that dialogue, it creates space between you and that part. And it gets so much easier to um, not to, because you're out of that like blended state. Exactly. You're not identifying when, if you're having a conversation with a part, it's highly likely you're not identifying as it anymore. You're not. Cause a lot of times it'll be like, well, I just feel like this is the truth. I feel like I am this part. And it's hard because we're living in our own heads. You know, that's part of why it helps to like move and get out or move your body. Cause when you spend so much time in your head thinking about something, it's, hard to get perspective. Right. And also that's why it's easier for us to see when other people are doing exactly what we're doing. It's easier for us to be like, Oh, why are they doing, (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it'll come up as judgment and then we can know, Oh, actually I'm doing that, but it's, you know, we're not in our own heads. We're seeing it, you know, from seeing someone else do it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to having a dialogue, are there different ways to do this? Like, can you write it out or are you talking in your head? Yeah. So whatever's easier for people, um, especially in the beginning, um, I find if you're good with journaling, you can also write that uh, type it out mm-hmm. if that's fast, easier for you. Um, but that's one way is like, letting all the feelings out via writing and just like, you know, free write, just like get it all out and then pause, take a breath, put your hand on your heart and respond from the adult. Mm. Um, You can also do what I said, the chair work where you sit in a chair and you talk as a child, if you're comfortable doing that, it's very interesting to do that Mm. because when we do, when we speak as these feelings, it's so easy to see, oh my God, like 
for me, when I started doing this, it was like, that's my mother, like the critic. It was like, exactly. I was even having her mannerisms, the tone, the way I was like, that's her. Because a lot of times our critic will take on the energy of a parent because they think that's the only way we'll listen or, you know, um, that's what's that? That's interesting. Yeah. So talking is really helpful. A lot of times people will feel silly doing that because we're not used to doing that, but it, there's, you can get a lot of insight from that. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. Um, just doing it in your head. It's, I, I mean, I do that all the time now, but I've been doing it for a long time. It is a little trickier to know when you're merged or not because you're in your own head. Um, but also meditation, like um, certain meditations that, um, like I have a bunch of reprogramming meditations that are really good to help you to get to the, like the subconscious root of what's going on. And it kind of, you're not exactly dialoguing, but you can kind of play out a scenario and then you can get some insight into like seeing your inner child in a meditative state Mm. okay cool yeah you have a lot of resources on your website yeah I love doing meditations for that kind of thing because I just love meditating (laughs) I know a lot of people don't but that's just I'm a Pisces rising yeah (laughs) you mentioned like in your sessions that you would do an energy reading Mm -hmm. if someone was doing like this work on their own how can they learn to like uh like include the energy like the element of energy or be attuned to that or if they need to yeah so i mean the inner child is in our energy mm-hmm. and our energy speaks to us through our feelings you know through intuitive hits so you are communicating with your energy mm-hmm. when you're communicating with your inner child okay but another this is another reason why I love meditations like this is because that is another way to communicate with your energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like whatever shows up in the subconscious, you know, that's you communicating with that part of you. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about dialoguing, um, you know, extending compassion and validation and then is the kind of aim to identify the unmet need and or like yeah what's like kind of the end goal with the dialogue um (laughs) it's funny to think of it that way I mean the end goal I guess it depends on the situation I mean ultimately we want I guess yes the end goal would be to integrate this wounded inner child so that they no longer feel um really trapped in the past like looking at the world through those through the pastime lens and that they feel connected and safe and that there's an inner adult there and um yeah that's the end goal so really it's like connection um is what you ultimately want yeah and just like 
letting them know that you're there and you understand them and it makes sense why they're acting out this way and then like I found that I would I would uh I think one time I learned an exercise to like because they're kind of stuck in a at a point in time and they may not know things that you've done or experienced at other times so I remember one time like telling this inner child part all the things I had accomplished and gone yeah. through to like give them evidence and they were like whoa like really yeah. <laughs> oh my god it's so true and it's wild to see like I remember I I talked about this before because it was so wild to me I had told my inner one of I told an inner child part that my mom had died and she was shocked wow. because she was in the past where my mom was reigning terror over her and so she was like yeah and I remember just seeing her just like I felt it in my body this shock so yeah they true it is while I feel like all of this like I don't know how long it's gonna take me who knows but like I feel like in a hundred years people will be like yeah I can't believe people thought we were just in one timeline mm. all the time yeah <laughs> it's like all these timelines are happening and literally within us like we look like we're just this one contained human but nobody is just one singular how weird would that be if like mm-hmm. <laughs> you were just one singular voice I mean in a way I guess like is that ultimately where we're trying to get to is like being our higher selves that are just in this singular knowing I don't know maybe monks are like that where they hear nothing but but silence all the time (laughs) but yeah it's wild it is really wild when you interact with these parts of yourselves that are in the past yeah and I love thinking about inner child healing as time travel work because yeah. when you um, connect with this part stuck in the past and you uh, come to a resolution and a connection, the effects ripple out into the present and there's like yes. a felt sense difference in your body. Yes. And in your subconscious, like that's the thing. Our brains are so, I don't know (laughs) the the way they work. It just feels, I feel bad saying it. I don't know who I feel bad saying it to, I guess my brain, but it just feels like remedial. It's like the brain needs to be told, oh, wait, no, 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 no. This, this is actually what the deal is. And your subconscious doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think of that as being remedial, but maybe it's actually built for this time travel. Because <laughs> it's like, if it doesn't know the difference between quote unquote reality and what, you know, and what you tell it, mm-hmm. then maybe that's actually really good because you can't, this is why I love the meditations again. I don't know why I'm like, uh all about these meditations but um but and not just mine like any kind of hypnosis reprogramming meditation you're really telling it you're basically like oh no no actually this is what's happening in the timeline and if you do it enough like if you do like a reprogramming meditation over and over a few times you will feel different like your brain does think oh, this is actually the the timeline, the timeline, your timeline now 
the you actually had loving parents and they saw you and they valued you you start feeling that inside mm-hmm. I mean, that's what hypnosis is and yeah and that's what you're doing with the inner child mm-hmm. yeah I have gone I've gotten myself through meditation of like going back in time to a scene and then intervening as my adult self and changing that situation and feeling a difference. Yeah, that's what the meditations are. And you can do that just, I like to do it sometimes right when I wake up or right before I go to bed. You can just do it in your, like do a visualization where you go back and yeah, you rescue yourself or you have a different outcome or you let yourself feel the anger or whatever. And you, yeah, that's enough. That's reprogramming. Mm -hmm. I remember like in a therapy session saying like, I wish I could just like referring to my um, younger self. I wish I could have just like taken her away and like helped her escape. And so I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was really cool. Yeah. And if you, that, yeah, that's what the meditations are. And that's what like that you can go do or the visualizations that you can do. And if you do it repeatedly, like sometimes you don't need to do it repeatedly, but some, but if you do, it really just locks it in more that like, Oh, okay. This is what happened. And not just like you now going back, but I mean, I know you and I both like um, P's work of, Mm -hmm. Um, timeline jumping you can also have your future self come mm-hmm. and talk to you now and like I will often just like when I wake up imagine me and my higher self going to I will like just pick a timeline and then like pick a age pick an age and then I'll go to that certain age and just like hang out with myself give myself love <laughs> like imagine like for some reason I always imagine the wallpaper like putting in new wallpaper to like litter not that there I had wallpaper always but like just like make the wallpaper nice and fun and maybe again this is my Libra moon but (laughs) to like decorate the house Mm -hmm. and make it something cozy and nice and warm and like Mm -hmm. just create this new experience yeah and you can even bring your inner child to the present with to, to hang out with you yeah yeah, you can ask this, this, that's something um, that they do in parts work and IFS internal family systems that does uses inner child work where they say at the end, you say, and I do this with my clients too, after they work with an inner child part, you ask them and they feel good. You ask them, where do you want to go um, now? Like anywhere in the world, real or imagined. Mm-hmm. And then they can just, a lot of times like, depending on the age, like my inner child just wants to hang out here or wants to hang out with my kids who are teenagers, <laughs> just because mm-hmm. like, this is a nice, safe home, you know, where everybody gets along. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to do this work, like to what extent do you, cause I'm thinking about people who think like, oh, I have to know, like, the exact age and I have to have a clear memory of my past like can you kind of speak to that yeah the, that's the thing I love about it is you don't have to do any of that and you don't even have to know have any memories um like you can just the the point of entrance is your feelings 
So whatever you're feeling or your trigger. So whatever is coming up for you in that, in those terms, then you just feel into it. And you can ask yourself, like, how old do I feel? And you don't have to have an exact age. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to think, to feel into, well, how old do I feel here? And even it doesn't have to make sense for what actually happened in your life, but just this is the process of trusting this work builds so much self-trust the more you do it because you're having this dialogue with yourself, building up the safety, but also you're trusting that you're trusting what you're doing. You're trusting the process of it. Like, okay, I'm having this feeling and therefore, and I'm valuing it. So it's real. And that helps you to have trust in general, mm -hmm. but yeah, you just need to just tap into whatever you're feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. And that's really cool that um, you don't have to be like searching in your past for something to like work on. You can yeah. kind of just live your life. And then when mm -hmm. a trigger comes up, you see like, oh, this is my opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you don't have to dig up anything. I know a lot of people feel that inner child work like, or the thought of doing it feels overwhelming, but I always feel like, well, if you're already feeling these things, you're not, it's not like you <laughs> really, um, you're not creating more drama in your life or more upset. You're just working with what's already there. And mm -hmm. if you've been resisting your feelings for a long time, like I said, you're actually keeping them stuck in place and making it harder for yourself. So yes, I'm not saying that feeling the feelings is going to be a walk in the park, but neither is what you're doing now if you're resisting it. And also if you are doing it with compassion, then it is way, it's a, it's like infinitely nicer than resisting it and giving yourself a hard time or, you know, judging yourself or feeling like it's going to be, or imagining it's going to be terrible to mm -hmm. feel them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I um, want to ask about the inner teen mm -hmm. and just kind of like how they differ from the inner child and if the inner teen archetype is kind of is like uh, a universal thing, like their experience or what they bring up in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same. It's just a different age. And in fact, I mean, people can have inner, depending on how old you are, you can have the inner of all the ages. Mm. Um, it's just that usually, um, usually, you know, the source comes from a younger age, which includes teens, definitely includes teens. Um, but as we said, time travel is happening. <laughs> so it's like all the ages. I mean, you may have an age that's older. Um, I don't see it a ton. Sometimes I'll see people in their twenties, early twenties, like I'll see their, their inner early twenties. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, the teens the same way. Oftentimes the teen is a protector. I found like they're trying to protect the younger age is what often comes up. And they're usually, um, when I see them because they're in a more wounded state, angry. Um, but it's, 
dare I say fun to, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I I love, I love all the ages, but like inner teens are fun. Cause they're just like, can I swear on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're usually like, you know, like, fuck you. Why'd you do it? You know, like that. And then it's just like, okay, yeah, let's hear it. Let's get that energy out and, and hear what you have to say. Yeah, I was going to say when I started inner teen work, mine was very angry and that was yeah. kind of scary <laughs> to hold. Yeah, that can be scary for people. I mean, I feel like um, we're kind of, I guess, as um, people identifying as female, a lot of times feel afraid of anger like it's something we're not supposed to be feeling um and it's like well what do I do with it you know like which I totally understand it is like we're not used to expressing it or not comfortable expressing it for that there's a lot of somatic um practices that you can probably like put into YouTube or something um to see just like put in their somatic anger release. Mm -hmm. I just actually, I was literally talking to a client today about this one, about like, um, leaning against the wall kind of at an angle, you know that? Yeah. So that's yeah. the first one I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that. I saw one recently and I couldn't find it again, but it was like basically moving your body like a gorilla, like, <laughs> like, like stomping, stomping. And then also like moving your hands and down, like, yeah, like punching the air. Yeah, exactly. But downward, like how gorillas sometimes do. Um, so like, yeah, moving it, it anger is a, is, um, has a lot of force to it usually. So it's like to move it through, allow it and to be with it the same way you're with all of your feelings. It's just, we, we are trained to be more afraid of it, but just recognize, oh, okay, this is anger. And then we're feeling it in your body, allowing it, um, especially if you've already talked to your inner teen, so you know, like, oh yeah, you're mad about this. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course you're mad about that. And then like, see what she wants or they want to do. And then like, yeah, just see like, what does, what feels good in my body right now to do? Um, I know that a lot of times there's, I've heard about like, I mean, we've probably all heard about like punching pillows and scream screaming but from what I've learned from somatic um experience experiencing practitioners is that that actually burns out your nervous system and it's not like you may feel better after but often you'll just feel like exhausted because mm -hmm. you've really just like yeah burnt out your nervous system versus honestly authentically allowing space for the anger to move through you interesting i mean if you authentically feel like oh, i want to scream then that would be that then you know i would listen to that of course yeah. but yeah mm -hmm. can you speak to um like the the joy and the pleasure and the creativity that is liberated when these inner child parts see that they can kind of give up these roles these protective jobs yeah yeah and they just feel also not just that but giving up like feeling safer mm -hmm. you know it's just sort of like um 
I don't know if you've ever, you know, when you felt upset and then you feel loved by somebody or something, they see you and then you can relax and like, then you want to like go do something fun or, you know, like what, like do something that you would normally do for fun. It's the same thing. It's like once those parts relax, it's speaking in energy terms, the inner child lives in the second chakra most of the time. And that's also your creativity, the place of creativity. So when that energy is moved out of the trauma energy is moved out and you've released it, then there's a lot more space for your creativity and that naturally will bubble up usually. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's energy just like freed up. There's space. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just gives you more space. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I have more questions kind of about the topics we covered. Are you feeling like there's anything more to add or clarify about what we covered so far? I don't think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Should I bring in those two questions that I have? Yeah, sure. Okay. so we kind of touched on this but i'll see if there's anything else to add how Mm -hmm. to heal slash tend to your inner child when you don't remember or know much about your childhood yeah yeah i think we talked about that yeah so just just kind of using your like emotions as an entryway yeah, you're all though that inner child exists in you regardless of your cognitive memory, mm-hmm. you know, of what you yeah, are consciously aware of. It's through the feelings. So just if you're giving your feelings um validation, compassion, then you're giving that to your inner child. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things my therapist told me one time is to give your feelings airtime. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're doing when you're communicating Yeah, with them. Yeah, because and- a lot of times we'll, like I said, we resist around them. And we're like, no, I shouldn't be feeling this or oh, I don't want to be feeling this. And then you're, you are cutting them off, but you're also, again, locking them in place. Yeah, or even just... Um, resisting by hastily trying to fix find the solution what do you need let's just like get this over with get this done so we can like move on rather than uh, allowing the airtime to just let to know what's coming up what's happening yeah that's just another protector part that's like okay come on what do you need yeah exactly impatience Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's not like if someone said that to you, you'd be like, uh, nothing, never mind. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's reminding me of like when I've had parts that when I know when I have a part come up, I like to ask myself, how do I feel towards them? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. then I see if I have annoyance or frustration at them, they don't want to open up. And so I try to resolve that first to then let them feel safe enough to come forward and share their perspective. 
I mean, that's so insightful because that's the first thing that I do. And also they talk about that in IFS as well. It's like, I will, that's my first question when I'm working with people with their inner child parts is how do you feel towards them? Because if exactly like if that part is annoyed and you're annoyed, that means you're blended with them. Or if you, or if that part's sad and you're annoyed, then the inner critic is online more than the inner adult. So if you're doing this through imagining and your eyes are closed and you're talking to that part, you can imagine them stepping back further. And if that doesn't work, you can imagine putting them in a little bubble of light, seeing if that helps. Um, and if that doesn't work, then talk to the part that's really annoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, that's probably the most important thing because when people start to talk to their inner child parts, they're often blended with them right away. You know, that's just yeah. how it is. And so, yeah, that's the first key. I should have said that. <laughs> So our other question is tips for getting back into dating after narcissistic abuse. Mm. I know we didn't talk about narcissism much, but you do have a, you do have a chapter of it in your book. Oh yeah. Yes. I'm well-versed in narcissist abuse. Does yeah. she mean, um, well, it's okay. I can just answer it, but um, was that the end of the question? Mm -hmm. That was the question. Yeah, how to get answers how you like. Yeah. Um I mean, there's so many facets to this, but I would just say the first part is really making like just maybe overcorrecting by over by coming back to self as much as possible in terms of like asking yourself, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? Because a lot of times with narcissist abuse, there's gaslighting where your knowing has been overridden. And um, and so that's a lot of the recovery is being confused about what's your knowing and what's theirs or what's your energy and what's theirs. So I would say just really everything we've talked about today, coming back to self with compassion and checking in and I would even just in energy terms, um, if, if this makes sense to you, call your energy back to you, have a sense of how do I feel right now? If you're in, if you're aware of your energy at all, get a check of that first. And if you're not even just coming into it from your feelings, okay, what's my baseline feeling right now? How do I feel? What do I need? And then when you are meeting someone new, just being really aware of your boundaries, like your, um, I, I'm kind of like trying not to talk about this in energy terms in case people aren't aware of it, but I think I, the people in my circle are okay. going to get it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like really your aura, the thing that changed my life, actually the first step in my healing, I mean, I had done some inner child work, like I said before, but was becoming aware of my energy versus other people. Um, that helped me heal so much from my narcissistic abuse from my mother. 
because it helped me to know like, oh, I can, I'm starting to sense that I'm going into their energy or I'm like even leaning forward into their energy. And I call my energy back. I would feel my aura around me or just have the intention of having, imagining my aura 18 inches all around me. And this is good. Even if you're just like, not just in your regular relationships, this doesn't even have to apply to narcissistic abuse. It's having an awareness of your energy is so important. So you can imagine, I just literally also just told this to a client, you can imagine a fence around your aura. So like that you have a little boundary and it's not like a keep out fence. It's just, no, my energy stays here. Your energy stays there. And then when you're done being around people, you can explode the fence and let their energy go back to them. Your energy come back to you. And it's not like a violent thing. It's just, you know, keeping it's energetic hygiene. Mm -hmm. So energetic hygiene is super important (laughs) with narcissistic abuse. Um, just like really being clear, like, oh, if they're trying to tell me something, like they're trying to change, spin something to make it seem like their reality is right over mine, I can just tune in what, how does my energy feel right now? Yeah. And if it feels like drained or it feels like you're merging with them or like it's getting tight, then just take a breath and notice like, okay, well, that's, that's information. Like that doesn't feel good that, you know, you can trust, come back to your inner knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from energy and inner child, and also, well, I will say this, asking your inner child, how do you feel around this person? Like after you're done, you know, from the date and your home, how do you feel right now? Like really checking. that's what I meant by overcorrecting, like, but I don't really mean that. <laughs> just, just, there's no way to overcorrect being in touch with yourself. So um, just asking yourself, okay, this is how I felt before. How do I feel now? Do I feel excited or does my inner child feel like unsafe with this person or doesn't like them and really validate that? That's important. Like, okay, I'm not going to dismiss that because being with a narcissist, there's a lot of dismissing that goes on oftentimes internally, which is your responsibility, but it's very challenging when you're around a narcissistic person. It's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final thing is just, it sounds like you probably are educated, but I would just look into what are things that people with MPD tend to do. Mm-hmm. So interest, I'll just say quickly, I, I saw this TikTok the other day, this guy who had MPD, narcissist personality disorder, was answering questions. He's like, I have MPD, ask me anything kind of thing. And it was so interesting because he was owning all these things. It was kind of wild. And that's the tricky thing. Sometimes you'll think, well, they can't be a narcissist because, or they can't have narcissism because they're owning this stuff. And it's not true. Yeah. So yeah, one of the things he was saying was that he would, he, people are either bad or good to him. Like they're either completely amazing or they're terrible. And so knowing things like that will help you to recognize, oh, this, and I'm not saying write them off immediately, but just kind of notice like, oh, well, that's some, that's kind of a red flag. Let me, you know, I'll note that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think like the big thing that you said is like with healing from that abuse and the gaslighting is trusting your own reality. Yes. Trusting your own emotions that come up. Because I know I've struggled with that a lot of like, is this like, I know I'm feeling this way, but like, what if I'm lying to myself or like, what if just like, yeah, not trusting what's happening inside. That's the biggest thing. That was definitely the biggest way that I started to heal from narcissist abuse was to, um, yeah, to really validate my experience. Yeah. Um, that like, whatever I feel, it doesn't mean it's right or definitely the thing that's happening, but it's valid. Like, you know, even if let's say I hurt my husband's feelings, but I don't mean to, and he's like, my feelings are hurt. If I were to be like, well, that's stupid. I didn't mean to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then that that's like, or like, no, they're not. Why would your feeling? That's not right. Like he's still allowed. To, I would never say that by the way, <laughs> he's allowed to have his feelings hurt. Even if I didn't mean to do that it doesn't make his feelings wrong now it also doesn't mean that I did something terrible you know but it just means that his feelings are right and he's allowed to have them mm-hmm. yeah so your feelings are always valid regardless of what's happening mm-hmm. yeah um, and I really appreciate you have a lot of good educational information in your book about um you know what gaslighting looks like and uh you make it very clear to help people see if they like recognize anything or even in their own healing journey of like yeah I this was my experience and now I'm moving into this um and just really great like meditations and exercises and so I really recommend your book and I love thank you um, it's really unique to have like the energy model and the self-compassion element it feels very like resonant with I I feel like in my journey I came to all these different modalities and saw how they worked together and it was really cool to meet you and see that you were using them as well yeah 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 it's um I feel like it all really goes together really well. I do just want to say also about gaslighting, especially if you come from narcissism or even if you have yeah been in a relationship that gaslighting yourself is also a thing. And that's what you were describing when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this or maybe I don't feel this or that's you gaslighting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I just huge. wanted to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. Do you want to kind of shout out ways to work with you? I know your website has a great resource library and you have um, a course on grounding that looks really good. Is there anything else that you want to shout out? Yeah, I actually don't know if I'm, I I, I don't know. I think that's <laughs> not going to be available, mm. the grounding course, just because it has people in it. And mm. I'm, um, so yeah, but I'll probably offer that again. It was a really I, I loved teaching that class. Um, but the main ways to work with me are I am doing one on one sessions now. Um, I'm not sure how long I kind of take breaks between those because um, I do mentorship for three month periods with people. That's the bulk of my work. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm going to be doing one-on-one at least probably through September. I don't know when this is coming out, but, um, and I have other ways, like I mentioned the meditations and I have a newsletter, um, that offers a lot and I'm on TikTok and that's all like free stuff. And then I repost it on Instagram these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that is, and then my book, of course. And I have a podcast too. It's called Getting to Know. Cool. I'll link all that below. Um, I'm also curious to ask, like when people come to work with you one-on-one or mentorship, like what, what Mm. are they going through? What are some issues that they bring? What's common? I think the main thing is like, however the external looks, it's almost always about self-trust lack of self-trust you know building up that connection so that and or feeling stuck in some kind of way in their life um or you know people pleasing that kind of thing comes up a lot too um but yeah a lot of it is just building up more connection to self to feel free to be themselves and mm-hmm. and trust themselves mm-hmm. cool yeah thank you so much I really love this conversation me too I'm really glad we did this yay okay cool well thank you again and I'm excited for people to listen to this and I highly again recommend connecting with Natasha and following her um yeah and getting her book thank you bye bye